0: This episode is brought to you by The One Summit, two days that would change your life forever. For tickets, go to theonesummit.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up For A Chat with Cindy O'Meara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within, during a midlife crisis. (laughs) I'm Karen Smith. (laughs) I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And guess what we're talking about?
1: (laughs) Midlife (laughs) crisis. (laughs) So we
0: had a request from one of our listeners to talk about midlife crisis. And I think, just saying, it's possible that a midlife crisis doesn't necessarily have to happen at the age of fifty, like at midlife, because possibly midlife. Well, midlife implies fifty, like forty, because, because we're only up eighty. Really, I always thought it was fifty. Oh, really? Yeah, I did.
1: Midlife's
2: fifty. There's a lot of forty year old men that have traded their wives in for a Porsche.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and you know what midlife could be midlife that's something. It, could it could be between be 40 earlier. to 50 and it could be 35 because some people might see their life flashing by them at 35 mm. and I think what's hysterical is I thought I, I thought why would we do this none of us have had a midlife course midlife. <laughs> and then we went Oh, and then actually, we went the yeah. definition of a midlife and we're <laughs> like, oh, well, actually, I couldn't be going through it myself. <laughs> <laughs> read it, read it, read okay. the
0: definition. Okay, ready? Here we go. <laughs> midlife crisis is a term coined in 1965 by Elias Jacques, stating a time where adults come to realize their own mortality and how much time is left in their life. A midlife crisis is experienced by many people during the midlife transition when they realize that life may be more than halfway over. Um, I'm going to go to something exciting now. Um, and the characteristics of a midlife crisis. One of the main characteristics of a midlife crisis perspective is one assumes that their midlife is about to be eventful, usually in a negative way and potentially stressful. Additionally, additionally they often see their life coming to a drastic decline and they therefore go purchase a Porsche or get a boob
1: job. <laughs> oh, Porsche or a boob job, don't you like the difference? <laughs> women get the boob job and the men get the Porsche, or is that the other way around? No, I just threw that in.
0: (laughs) Individuals experiencing a midlife crisis have some of these feelings. Search of an undefined dream or goal, boob job, Porsche, (laughs) a deep sense of remorse for goals unaccomplished, a fear of humiliation among more successful colleagues, desire to achieve a feeling of youthfulness, or a need to spend more time alone, or with certain peers, and they exhibit some of these behaviours. Abuse of alcohol, acquisition of expensive items such as (laughs) motorbikes, boats, clothing, sports cars, jewellery, gadgets, tattoos, and piercings, and yes, I do purchase jewellery. And yes, I am flirting with a tattoo, except Matt won't let me. (laughs) (laughs) That's because of where you want to put it. Well, where does she
1: want to put
2: it?
0: The neck. On my neck as if oh my goodness they could experience depression they could have remorse for the wrongs that they've committed the wrongs the wrongs I have had that oh my god this is me (laughs) he's going through a midlife right now Paying special attention to physical appearance, i.e. boob job, such as covering baldness, wearing youthful designer clothes, i.e. boob job. Entering special – do you think I might want a boob job? (laughs) Entering special relationships with younger people. Mm -mm, Mm-mm, mm-hmm. Whether sexual, professional, or parental, or placing over importance and possibly psychologically damaging amount on their children to excel in such areas as sports, arts, and academics. Treatment and prevention, my theory, give them a good old slap. (laughs) (laughs) No, but actually, seriously, it does actually say here that there is some sort of treatments exercise and diet. Drugs. Um, (laughs) Antidepressants. Let me do a quick scan coping skills, lifestyle, diet, exercise, trusting, seeing a therapist uh re goals physical activity tension reduces stress nutritious meal plan sleep and rest uh switch jobs switch jobs switch partners <laughs> buy a porsche get a boob job <laughs> and um, a tattoo just get the tat uh, treat, uh no no drugs nothing here about drugs no, that's a good thing. No, that's okay, so, so getting serious.
2: Yeah, let's. So from a okay. point of view of, because there could be some people out there struggling with this or with a partner mm. that is struggling with mm. something along these lines. So give both of your definition of when you've seen someone going through a midlife crisis or what
1: you've thought, are they going through a midlife crisis? Well, I think Howie we went through one at 40, 50 and 60 Oh, go. he's had multiples. Yes, yeah, so I think he's had multiples. Yeah. know well, <laughs> I'm serious. Numbers often can trigger that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it is that it, turning the decade, because all of a sudden you, you turn the decade and you go, oh, my gosh, what happened to my 30s? And then you turn the decade at 15, you go, what happened to my 40s? Yeah. And especially if you haven't achieved what you wanted to achieve or you're a little bit um, not happy where you are in the in the position you're in and and like i can only you know talk about howie because i've watched him do this i remember in his 40s he went and had a um, medical checkup and it said that he had high cholesterol and that he would die of a heart attack at any time that's what the doctor said. said yeah yeah and he came home to me and he and and this is what the doctor said that you know you have a I can't remember the percentage. And I was in shock. I went, what, well, just because you got high cholesterol, did he not look at your lifestyle and the way you eat and everything like that? So I remember that one. Um, and we ended up changing the diet and, and doing things. So it wasn't a bad thing to be told that. No, you? I don't think it was a bad thing, but most people then would go on cholesterol. Um, Lowering drugs. Um. Yeah. So he went for a checkup. I remember that. And that that could also be
0: quite alarming for people, which would then send them into a very negative state of mind.
1: Yeah. What's happened to my youth? Yeah.
0: And then they start aging prematurely because Mm. they just get stuck in that lack of self-confidence then, which Mm. is so predominant in people as they
1: age. And last month was Men's Health Week. And I was listening to the radio, and they were all talking about you know men don 't get checkups, but when they do get checkups mm. the the likelihood of them having high cholesterol is then there, and then they're put on statin drugs, and then their whole life starts to that you know they may have adverse effects to those statin drugs, which could be soreness of muscle, so then they don 't get out and exercise and then they 're tired and and then it becomes a snowball effect where what started as a midlife crisis ends up as a health crisis and and you keep going down and they have another one at 50 and another one at 60 and I, look I, you know I, I don't I think about it you know we asked each other the question do you I said to Karen, Do you think you've gone through a midlife crisis? And my thoughts were that you hadn't. Mm. And the same with Kim, I don't think you've gone through a midlife crisis. And I don't mm. feel like I've ever gone through a midlife crisis, although we then are. We then read the definition, we realised, Well, I got a tat at 38. And oh, I want to know where. <laughs> <laughs> year, I can't believe you didn't know she was. I didn't
0: know. Yeah. No, but I knew that did because we'd had this conversation, but Cindy sat sneakily quiet. Well, we'd had this conversation many moons ago, and you yeah. never said a word. Yeah, I decided before
1: I hit 40, I needed to do a tat. And why do we need to get a tat before we hit 40? I don't know. Maybe that was my midlife crisis is that I had to have a tat. And, and I have no idea. And now I look at it, and I go... What was I thinking? Well, I, I so wanted I a tattoo. tattoo. I like my tattoo, but what was I thinking at the time? I love mine. Really? So if you had the chance again, you wouldn't, do, wouldn't it? do it? I wouldn't do it. Stop it. I would really? not Really? Why not? Do because when my son turned 21, I realised he was on my butt. <laughs> 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 I don't know what to say about that. And I didn't think that that was a good thing. <laughs> But it's oh, not hang literally. On. Hang on, you don't have his, do you have his on
2: my bath? face tattooed no. on. Your no, 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 no. Trust me, if she had, now that she's in her 50s, he would look like an old man. <laughs> I'm only
1: kidding. I'm just kidding. You've got a great hot Um, But yeah. But what I did was I I got three little birds because I have three kids, you know, three of my own children. and Are there. they birds with their wings out or are they? Birds? Um, can you the, show me? You, can I show you one? All right,
0: I'm showing. Okay, you. I've got to get the camera. You ready for it? No, you're oh, not going to take a camera. Oh, I'm seeing your bum. You can see it. Oh, and oh, right. See. So explain. Oh, okay, explain. okay. Why? so there's three little there's, there's three, three little birds little of little...
1: birds. Ones each colour different: pink, blue, and green. green. And Then little cute little music
0: notes. And there's around music
1: that. notes, and and because I have a stepdaughter and and Howie and me, and we are the music around these three children. And so, I just touched your bum. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Can I just tell everybody? And I did
1: notice. I just—I had to touch the butt. It was there. Yeah. One must touch. It is a good butt. So it's a great butt. I don't know what I was thinking, but I did it. And then when—and I only wanted it small—and and you saw how it's quite sizable. And I wanted it small. And then when I got it done, I went, "Oh my gosh! If I'm ever trying to hide from anyone, they're going to know me because I've got a butt with three birds on it now." And that was my thought when I got it done. Because everyone walks around with their butt hanging out. <laughs> does that cover? Is does your cosies cover that? Yeah, my co- yeah, my togs cover it. Nobody sees it. It's yeah. it's my privacy. You know, it's my yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. And I did it while Howard was away. And then when I got home. I said to him, <laughs> was a midlife Can crisis. you like, no no, this that is not a midlife crisis. This is the funniest thing of all is that we were at the beach when he got home, I don't know where he'd been, and we were at the beach and there was a girl with a tattoo. And I said to him, I hadn't shown him my tattoo at this point. And I said to him, I said, oh, what, no. what do you think about that girl with the tattoo? What do you think? It was a really cute tattoo, and he says, Oh, it always reminds me of Crimson and and Matt says the same yeah. thing. Because how is an ex-policeman. So it reminds him of crimson. I'm like going, "Oh no, what have I done?" <laughs> so what did he say when you showed him? Well, I finally showed him, and and he went. Uh, he never made a comment. He's never made a comment about it since. Never. Doesn't, he's got a tattoo. He's got a couple of. Tattoos. Well, he he's now put a tattoo on himself before the age of sixty. He decided oh, he? to do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So he's put the silver fern, being a Kiwi, and being somebody who has a great patriotism towards the kiwi land the new zealand but can he's we blame him
0: <laughs> i mean really he's put a I silver don't see, fern. i don't see the
1: sense in it but anyway yeah he's put a silver <laughs> fern on it but the, the tattoo i did was a vegetable tattoo oh should now kim's gonna flash her yeah, butt she's gonna sh- flash her butt she's gonna flash your butt see she's got a silver fern
0: yes you do yeah and what's the other symbol the other tattoo
2: yeah is the Celtic Anamkara? Oh, it's the Anamkara. Yeah, you have to get one
1: of them too. Uh, yeah. You and Fleur got them, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. yeah. Oh. But the, the, you know, this, I obviously went through a midlife crisis just before I hit 40 because I got a tattoo. Well,
0: you know what? I'm just sitting here listening to you thinking about my own personal midlife crisis. And um, I decided to fly helicopters. <gasps> you did too? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I I've, I've started getting my license. I mean, I'm still getting my license. you yeah, still yeah. in the process of it. But yeah, i now, i have like 45, I will have my license. So what do you think causes this
2: feeling of... Okay, I'm going to put it to you this way. When I did my personality training last year, there was a guy in our course that his friend had gone through a midlife crisis. He's Asian. He had a lawyer father and a doctor mother. Very high expectations on him to achieve and succeed. He went through law school and became a lawyer and was miserable for the first half of his life. Hated doing mm. law, but did it because he knew that's what he had to do. At 40, he decided he hated being a lawyer. He was not living his truth. And what he really wanted to do was play the guitar. He was a musician. So he opened a music shop in Texas, in Houston, in America. And, he, and everyone told him he was mad. He thought he was mad, but he didn't care. He'd given up worrying about it. And he opened up a music shop. And within a year, that went to becoming one of the best music shops in Houston. So I say, is it a midlife crisis or is it a midlife awakening
1: Mm. where
2: perhaps, and I'm only coming from the personality point of view, that growing up, you are masking your true self in order to please others. So in other words, you're not living your truth. You're not living who you truly are. Plus, you need to please parents. That's, that's what seems to be in the psyche of a child. In order to please or get approval, you are masking your true self in order to mimic them. So for instance, if you are, like this guy was, a playful, peaceful type of personality, he had a father who was a powerful, precise, the complete opposite to him, he went into law, which is exactly that logical, sequential, organized, mathematical, um, leader, powerful, all of those sorts of things. But his true personality was actually playful and musical and entrepreneurial and fun and, and very kinesthetic and touchy and feely. So for 30-odd years or 20-odd years of his life, he was being something he actually wasn't. They all thought he'd lost the plot. His wife actually thought their marriage was over. She just didn't know who this person was. And for a year there, everything suffered. The kids, everybody. They just thought Dad had gone nuts. Mm. a wall. But within that year of him proving to everybody, he didn't give a rat. And mm. sometimes that can happen in a midlife crisis or midlife awakening. You either care too much or not at all, and you end up living your truth anyway. And when he spoke, you just saw the magic in this guy who... I think for many who are perhaps in a midlife crisis situation are maybe lost. Maybe they don't know who they are or what they want to do. Maybe they've lost their drive or their passion. Maybe they're blaming themselves. Maybe they feel like they're not good enough. Or maybe they've had a crisis in their life and they've got no tools in order to deal with it. Um, And I know for many people, losing a child can do that, you know, and you don't know who you are, or losing a parent can do
0: that. So um, I think those sorts of things give you incredible perspective and possibly when you're at that age, when you do lose a child or you lose a parent, because it's more likely to happen, not so much a child, but it's more likely to happen that you would lose a parent as you get older, Mm -hmm. it kind of does force you into getting incredible perspective as to what's important and whether you're prepared to continue the facade or as you say, have the great awakening mm.
1: and to have that great awakening it, it you can't you can't be fearful you have to you know take that, it was, his, by the that was his
2: words yeah i all of a sudden stopped being afraid afraid of disappointing yeah. my father afraid of disappointing my wife my sons everybody i stopped being afraid and wanted to prove to them this is who i truly am mm-hmm. and when he spoke with such conviction, it was so powerful. He said he never regretted doing the law school mm. because it gave him so many skills. Because when you realize you, when you operate out of what's not your core truth, it's exhausting. Oh, God. It's actually exhausting. And so stressful. Incredibly. Because, mm. And you may not even realize you're doing it. But when you're doing that constantly... It's not Mm. in your natural flow or rhythm of who you truly are. So you expend a lot of energy and then I guess you could get quite emotive or detached and you start questioning what is. And maybe it's in our midlife where we really start to have the courage to question who we are or what what is the meaning of life? Well, I
0: think you get to a point, and I certainly found this. I found my 30s, when I turned 30, was a really profound milestone for me because when I looked at my life, I went, yeah, I'm 30 now. And I can say I'm old enough to not have to put up with some of the crap that I've put up with. I'm too old for that. And I remember being 30 and it was a real milestone where I thought, I don't have to put up with this, I don't have to put up with that, I don't have to put up with this. So I started shedding stuff that I felt that I didn't have to put up with because I was old enough now to make my own decisions. And I think hitting 40, you get to the point where you're established enough in your life, either financially or um, personally, you get comfortable enough Mm -hmm. in your own skin, and you get to the point where you say, well, you know what, bugger it. I've actually got nothing to lose now. I can only gain. Like, what's the point of me continuing the the facade or the struggle or you know and even to the point of saying well I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go and get a tat because <laughs> you just you know you're not you're at a point where your level of concern about the other or the outside is is less than what it was when you're growing up and I think that it can be an awakening if it's driven it, or, or not if it's driven but if it leads you to your greatest truth but then I also think it can be the great entrapment if it leads you to um, an increased level of facade. And so what I mean by that is, you know, if it leads you to your greatest truth where the awakening is the the outcome, then that's just a wonderful experience and thank God it happens at some point in your life because you could get to the end of your days and it never happens. But then I think if it comes to a greater increase of the facade, which you often see from a celebrity perspective, you often see the celebrities get to that point and it's only because it's always publicized, but you know, it probably happens in, in a lot of people's lives that are not celebrities. Um, but it is the Porsche, it is the boob job, it is the younger girlfriend, it is the bigger house, it is the leaving the kids, leaving the family, um, and going to create this bigger facade to make themselves feel like the success that they've never felt. Mm. You know what I mean. Mm. So I think that it can go either way. It can either be the greatest awakening, or it could be the greatest facade.
1: Mm. And well, I think,
2: or it could even go another way again, where it becomes your greatest detriment, where you wither. You actually wither more because you don't think you're,
0: or you get, and you get trapped in the negativity, the n- negativity of what you've not got that could and be not achieved. achieved,
2: yeah, and fear of never getting it. Mm. Um, well, you wow. know, I've had.
0: Wouldn't that suck to feel like that at the age of 40 and then live with that for the rest of your days?
2: Yeah, and, and I feel for... I can only speak from a member of my family, but, you know, when I said to her one day, you know, you've got to maybe live... You know, it'd be so it's so neat when you can live your passion. No, she said to me, it's right for you. You're doing what you love. But what if you don't know what you love?
1: And a lot of people say that. They don't know what they love. Yeah, and I said to her...
2: Um. Um. how did I put it to her? I, what I was told by my therapist at the time and how to deal with that was if you don't know what it is you want to do, then serve, serve others, like get into mm-hmm. a position of being around people that you do like being around and offer your time voluntarily if you can or offer to get a work around that environment. I think the key to it is to keep yourself in action, in motion, Um and it's it 's like we talked last week about you know different modalities there 's naturopaths and there's naturopaths you 've got to keep going until you find the one that speaks your language and your truth so you 've got to keep finding things until you find your truth and I look at it that for all the negatives that you might have along the way you 're getting
0: closer to the positive oh totally I think. I think that that whole thing of people not knowing what they love, I mean, nobody knows what they love until they, you know, there's a whole recipe around that. You don't know what you want until you figure out what you don't want. So you've Mm. got to get into the game of doing things that you think you love, doing things that you think that you love. And when you figure out, no, that's not it, Then you figured out what you don't want, which then brings you closer to what you do want. Mm. And then I think the other thing too is when we think about our lives and we think about our future, we think that we've got to do what we love today and that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Everything is always in the forever context Mm. instead of looking at what is in the current present context and just being with that and then being with that again tomorrow and being with that again the next day and then the next day and the and the next day you might change it completely. But being okay with that, because what you change is what you love is going to change. But simply what you love today may not be what you love tomorrow, but then it's just okay, well, now I realize what I don't want. Mm. You know and I think and I think for me, I've been really blessed in my life because i've I've always had a family that's very been very encouraging of my flippantness <laughs> with life. And initially, she's done a
1: lot of things, hasn't she?
0: Mm. Well, yeah, and initially mm. I used to beat myself up about that thinking that I was very unstable and I, it was always a label I had for myself. I'm so unstable, you can't rely on me. And then I started, when I got to the age of 30, I went, actually, that's not it at all. I'm the most reliable soul that was ever given breath, but I am flippant. I am flippant. I'm, I, 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 I love the variety that life has to offer and I will try everything. And that's why I... have done so many things because i will try everything that i possibly can because as each thing that i try it brings me closer to what i love and i will spend the rest of my life trying something new and today i tried something new and the next
1: week i'll try something else new and what i find Mm. interesting is that um when we talk and have conversations all those things that you've tried and all the education that you have gathered in that time in doing all those different things have all accumulated to make you the person you are with the information you have that seems to gather from so many um, different resources that... um, to me, if you hadn't have done that, you wouldn't be where you are today. I think so. Yeah. yeah I I think look, so. and then that's all of us. You know, like yeah. I, I, I even look at myself that way. Even though I've done nutrition all my life, that's all I, I know is nutrition. But I've done very different aspects of nutrition. Yeah. So when I did anthropology, did culture and, um, and tradition, then got and did nutrition as far as. Um, current advice is, then didn't like that, so I consulted for four or five years, then didn't like that, so I wrote about it for two years in a paper, then didn't like that, So started writing a book, then decided. So you don't know what you love until you start, until you keep doing it. Even though it's nutrition, I actually haven't stuck stuck with nutrition. Then from book writing, it was well, I want to speak, and then from speaking, it was well, I want to um, do protocols and programs, and I want a a website, and and then it was food, and 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 like even though it's been yes, I've been a nutritionist, I I actually look
0: at all the variety, all the variety I've had,
1: and I'm still getting variety because now I'm doing an education program Mm. yeah
0: and then Mm. there'll be something like that i think that's the that's the thing you know we can't get caught with we can't get caught with... So I've had many midlife crises, actually. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm sorry, I just realised that. At, I started at 15. <laughs> you did. I think I did too. You I did. think I started about nineteen twenty. When did you start, Kimmy? Oh, I haven't had one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, oh, no, <laughs> But really, they are small midlife crises. It's not working, so you've got to adapt and evolve. Yeah. And so you go to the next thing. And it's it's the fear of, like... You know, they, someone will stay in a job until retirement. They'll stay in a job because it's only 10 years till they retire. And maybe that's when midlife crises hit the
0: hardest yeah. because they've spent their whole life feeling trapped. Whereas we've moved from thing to thing and mm. this to that and this to that because we've given ourselves the ability to be free. Unconsciously, we've just given ourselves that permission. Mm-hmm. So perhaps there are some people who don't give themselves that same permission, therefore they've felt trapped, and by the time they get to this age, they go, well, you know what, big two fingers to you, and, you know, all that that I've created in the past, none of it feels like it fits me anymore, and I'm strangling, and I feel like I can't breathe, I need to, you know, mm-hmm. go get my tattoo.
2: But what about people who, through life or circumstance has changed their course without their control. In other words, what if they're hit with an illness and now but they how, can't fulfil How their... is that
1: not their control? Well, I get that, mm. but so if they not have a car accident, that, yes. they're not thinking that... But how is that not their control?
0: Oh, you're so philosophical. I love you. Seriously? Yeah, I mean, everything does provide another another avenue for...
1: Um, expression. Sorry, I didn't mean no, to no, say that exactly. but I just, sometimes um, we blame circumstances when in actual fact that that's our life. That is that is reality. That is reality. and yeah. Create, so then go and
0: create a new reality for yourself as yeah. a result. Sorry Kimmy, no, I didn't don't mean sorry. to. I think it's great. But I,
2: I was thinking yeah, like, Go for some it, people it. that feel they're running out of time or that they um, for instance a man or a woman that's never found the love of their life and and particularly for women, hitting forty may be a crisis point because they might not think they can have children now. Um, but then oh, there's the, but then
1: there's I the forty year olds that are married with kids and wish they weren't. Well, that's true too. It's, yes, it's true. It's all perspective. It's all perspective. It's like. But but what am I? Question to you. Is,
2: okay, so my question okay. to you is this then. But for the if, person living in it, if that's they right. Don't. Yeah. And and when you're in that, my question to you both then is. What tools, strategies, or methodologies would you use to get out of that mindset—that life's over, or I haven't got time, or it's unfair, or oh, you're fearful? Oh, that's easy. Change. Yeah, so give it to us.
1: Well, <laughs> we both look at Karen. Oh, <laughs> no, but that's easy. Yeah, that's really
0: easy because, and, and I, I know somebody who's in this situation right now, actually, um, and it's a bit of pill to swallow. It's a really bitter pill to swallow, but the answer is really easy. You're not living in the present. You're not living in the reality. You're so busy dragging around the stories of the past that you're missing what's in front of you in the moment. And that's one way to live. And a person needs to make a decision as to what they're more committed to. Are they more committed to the creativity that exists in the moment and the possibilities that they can create in the moment using all of their experience and all of their knowledge and everything that they've accumulated are they more committed to the creativity in the moment or are they more committed to dragging the stories of the past and the drama of the past with them because it's a ball and chain and it's robbing them of their future so while ever we continue to recreate the past there is no such thing as a future for us none let alone a prison. Well, they, I mean, hell, that's just that's just disintegrated. There's nothing. So it depends what the person's more committed to, and both is a way of living, except one is going to give you an amazing experience of life in the moment where you acknowledge where you are and see that as reality and find find magic Find joy in that rather than finding a negative story that gives you drama and something to complain about because that's just attention seeking. You know, so deal with the attention seeking, deal with the need to, 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 to be placated with attention. And I'm not saying that, I'm just saying that that's not a productive way to live. You know, it's not a—it's not an effective mode of operating in this world when there is so much more wonderment that's possible, but unless the person's prepared to accept their present reality and see what is in front of them in this particular moment without referencing the past and without referencing the future, we're really missing it. You know, you've just hit a yeah. chord for me where, I don't know why I've
2: had this thought come into my head, but... I'm just picturing someone who's been told they've got a month to live,
0: oh, and that's what an amazing perspective! There. What
2: they would give to have that life of somebody who is living in the past, who's bringing and who has is their following, wallow uh, yeah. yeah. And what they would give to have that opportunity to experience it? I, I think, for me personally, if I was presented with a life-threatening illness. And I work on this all the time, so it's not something that I don't think would hit me hard right now. But if
0: I wasn't and I was hit with a life-threatening illness, all of a sudden that stuff in the past wouldn't matter. Oh, and that's the perspective that you wanted, I mean, not with, not with the fear of only of having dying. a month to live. Yes. Yeah. But that perspective that you just got there mm. is exactly the perspective that every single one of us should be living with because that wakes you up. That's the that's the greatest awakening and you don't need to go through a midlife crisis to get that. That's the greatest awakening because realistically this present moment is all there ever is. We all know that. Everybody knows that, but we don't live like that's real and therefore we waste our lives. And 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 what, you know, what lands up happening is life just becomes a photo album because at the time that it's occurring we're not there. We're so busy worrying about what, we, what occurred in the past. We're so busy worrying about what's going to happen in the future. Therefore, in this present moment, as it's unfolding, we're not there. So then the only reference we have to it is a photo album. And what's the point of that? Mm-hmm. There's no creativity. There's no existence. There's no presence. There's no awakening. There's no being with anything. Growing. Yeah, you can't be with anything. You think about that if you're living your whole life in the story of the past of what you didn't achieve, what you wish you'd achieved, what you, what you wish you'd done but you didn't do and you could have done but you didn't. You know, with all of that, I mean, that's, you know, as I say, it's, it's a way to live. It is one way to live. But you've got to ask yourself the question, how's that working out for you, really? Because that's just a life of misery, and there's no peace there and there's no harmony there and there's no relating there, there's no connecting there, there's nothing there. So it's a way to live, but it's, it's a it's, it's a, life, a life asleep. It's a life, it's a life being lived that's asleep and everybody around you could probably see it. But nobody can wake you up except for you. How do you get woken up? How do you wake? What if you want to be woken up? What if you? Well, you know, what if you want it? If you want to be woken up, you will wake up. Nobody can wake you up. It takes a willingness first, and at first, well, it, it takes it takes a recognition. I think it takes an, a recognition that what you have isn't working, and that's step one. What you are and what you have and what you're not, what you are, sorry, what you're creating and what you're experiencing isn't working. Recognition, first step. And then awareness that something else is possible, and we know that something else is possible because we've only got to look at people like you or like you, Cindy, and we're, you know, like if in any situation you can see that there are other people who are living a more fulfilled life than you are. If you're feeling that your life is not fulfilled, you can see that other aspects or other perspectives are possible. So first, a recognition that what you have isn't working. Then there's a awareness that something else is possible, and then there's got to be the willingness to be committed to something other than the drama of the story. But
1: then they're addicted to the drama. Of course they're. Of course they're, they're totally is. addicted to the drama. And, and you know, we saw this in What the Bleep, mm. is that there is a chemical mm. reaction that happens when you continue to do the same thing and, and the pathway becomes the addiction. So in that case, this is where awareness place its
0: greatest part mm. because it's physiological as well as emotional and mental and all of that like all of the all of the factors are playing against mm. us if we look at it that way but you know life is set up and experience is set up to show us who we are and every experience that occurs i believe occurs to show us who we really are so in that instance the commitment to wanting something other than what we have has to be greater than the need to fulfil the addiction. So when we get the trigger, so when there's a trigger to fulfil the addiction, to become dramatic, Mm. to indulge in the past and the stories of the past, when we get the need, when we get the trigger to do that, because it's not always there, Mm. the dramatic persona isn't always present... But there are always triggers, often triggers. It could either be a trigger when we're alone. It could be a trigger when we feel a little bit emotive. It could be a trigger if we eat the wrong food. There could be a trigger if somebody says something bad to us and, you know, triggers us emotionally or we think it's bad. So when the trigger occurs, this is where the commitment to wanting the alternative has to be bigger than the need to satisfy the addiction. Because in the moment of the trigger, that's when we've really got to take the pause. Mm. And we can do it. We can do it. We just choose to take the pause. And we choose to take the pause and say, okay, well, well, what am I more committed to? Am I more committed to the addiction that I know doesn't serve me? Because I've been down that road for 15 years and I know it doesn't serve me. So I can keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Am I more committed to that addiction of the drama or am I more committed to an alternative? And through a rewiring of the conversation that takes place at the time of the triggering, and you, but you've got to set these tools up for yourself when the triggering's not present. Mm. So you've got to set yourself up with this mechanism. But at that time that the trigger takes place, if we're able to create that rewiring simply through conversation and awareness we can we can rewire the way that the neurological patterns fire, which then changes the physiological response, but then it also gives us a new way of experiencing ourselves with that trigger. So that the next time the trigger occurs, we're a bit more confident with the way that we respond to it. And then the next time,
1: a bit more confident. Next time, a bit more confident. And it takes effort. It takes practice. Mm, it, it does, definitely. It's like anything... Um, when you're trying to change a habit or an addiction or anything like that, it does take effort. And sometimes we fall back, but then you get back on the horse and you keep going again. Well, also I think sometimes you hit rock bottom. Yeah. And, so, and
2: I remember my counsellor saying this to Danny, our counsellor, um, you know, don't, don't knock. You know, it is what it is. Mm. What's done is done. Your behaviours, your actions, who you have been to this point has been done. Now, you can sit here and wallow in it and feel regret and pain and angst and guilt and all these different things for whatever your behaviours are. Or you could go, up until this point, this is who I am now. It and is this is who is. I... And yeah. it is what it is. And I choose now to be this. And I really take my hat off to Danny because he went into such a place of depression in such a bad way. Do you think
0: that was a midlife crisis for him?
2: I do. I absolutely, I'll tell you why. The guy had a dream to play for Cricket for New Zealand. He had a dream. He wanted to open the bowling with Sir Richard Hadley. He fulfilled that dream. He opened the bowling and played Cricket for New Zealand for 10 years. He had country chanting his name as he ran into bowl wickets. He was one of our best cricketers at the time. He had a celebrity life. He had a lifestyle where things were paid for. Um, He lived the dream. And then the dream came to an end. Even though he knew the dream would come to an end, as in his body, his time, his life, as a a cricket, it would come to an end. We always said that. We always knew that. And we always felt we were prepared for that. But it's like someone saying to me, your father's dying of cancer, and I'm preparing myself for that. Until he dies, I don't think we know how we're going to react. Mm -hmm. So I think the same thing happened to him, where he was preparing, 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 and then all of a sudden, and sadly, he got dropped. So it didn't even end the way he wanted. But as we've talked, how many athletes get their swan song? Not many, if any, um, get their actual swan song out of their career. So that's okay. His career finishes It's a little bit bitter because he's been dropped after giving so much of himself to this game. Now, all of a sudden, he's just on the junk heap of life. There's been no follow-up of that. And then I think the best thing for us is to start a family, so now we'll move into the next phase of our life. I thought it was easy, transition, move into the next part of our life, so we had a family. I didn't realise for Danny, though, he hadn't dealt with who he now was or wasn't. Who was he? Who Who is he now? Mm. He's not a cricketer anymore. And then we had two young children, and now we're on the treadmill of life, mortgages, young kids not sleeping, um overweight slightly now, you know, and trying to find our health again, a different job, try and I remember him trying to do a sales job and Danny's not really he wasn't a salesman, you know, he wasn't someone who sold things easily. Yeah. Um so now
0: he was feeling a failure. And now and he How wasn't old was he at when all 32, of was... thirty two yeah,
1: thirty thirty one, thirty
0: two. And that's where you were saying like circumstances can actually bring Mm. it on earlier or bring these crises on earlier.
1: And And for athletes, it it does happen a lot earlier. You you see it a lot, actually, with the athletes. Yes. Um, Especially, uh, like, looking at our Australian swimmers. Our
0: football players. Our football
1: players. It's it's rife because these guys live such an,
0: an
2: amazing life, really, and living their dream, maybe their boyhood or girlhood dream, and now they're living it. And then they've learned how to maintain it. Because that's even harder. It's all very good and well getting into a top team, but the the real challenge is staying there. And for many people, injury or younger players coming in or whatever can just wipe you out just as quick as you got in. And there's no, um, uh, there's no. Oh, we're going to have to give you a three month warning. We're going to have to give you maybe if you so could there's do no this. Notice. There's not really. I mean, you might get lucky and get a whisper in your ear and say, "Hey, look, you're better off retiring now before we." drop you but that didn't happen in Danny's case he found out on the radio he wasn't in the team anymore he didn't even get a call so um so anyway these are all reasons to to lose our way yeah
0: yeah.
2: there's no excuse for bad behavior but there's reasons and when I say bad behavior as in giving up or smoking or now drinking or I'm not saying he did all these things I'm just giving examples so then we're on the treadmill of life and we now probably aren't talking as deeply as we were because we've got two young kids that just fulfill our life. Now I'm not as available to him because mm-hmm. I've got two little things hanging off me, needing my attention. And he's living a job now, looking at all these people play cricket on television that no longer, he's, he's wishing he was back there. Maybe not wishing he was there because it was physically demanding. So I remember him saying that. It's not like I'm wishing I was playing again but I'm wishing for that feeling again. Mm-hmm. I'm wishing for that yeah. that, that sense of, of being something yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I kept saying to him, but you're a dad. That's a phenomenal job. Yeah. That's an amazing role. Yeah. But he didn't see it like that. Not that he even could articulate it then. So then we go through life, and now all of a sudden we're, I'm thinking we need to start doing something more. So I create... Us buying properties, and we do things like that. But then we have a negative turn, and it falls the other way, and we lose a property. So now he's gone down again. And then sadly, his sister is taken from us. And now he's thinking, well, there is no point to life. Mm. And now he has hit major rock bottom, and he doesn't even believe in his kids, his wife, and his marriage, and his life anymore. Mm. The guy's hit rock bottom. But as our counsellor said...
1: And they were all circumstances, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Or circumstances in life.
2: That he allowed to mean he was worthless Mm. or life wasn't worth living Mm. instead of seeing it as, wow, he's not... But to his credit or for some people, I think sometimes where we're trying to save these people, because I could see him plummeting, but I didn't know what it was or I didn't know what to do. I also learned that letting go of helping to control his life was actually not serving him either. And the guy hit rock bottom.
0: And, you know, you can't you can't rescue people. You can, no. you, you can be there to support them and love them through it, but you can't rescue somebody when that's their journey. You know, because largely I think that life is set up and experience is set up to show us who we are. And sometimes we do have to hit that rock bottom. And you do take others with you because they go through their own spiral as a result of it. And that's kind of also necessary because everybody then discovers who they are. As a result of that one? I think the hardest, probably the mistake
2: I made was telling him what he should do, you know, thinking I had the answers. And what I've realised is unless they ask the question, they probably don't even want to hear the answer because they're addicted to the drama Mm. of, of of what they're in. And it didn't matter what I said to Danny. It didn't matter how I spoke to him. He lost that zest. He lost that spark. And I couldn't believe it. So I actually then gave up on him mm. and gave up on the marriage. And that's when I thought the marriage was over. And then my grandmother died. And then my business was going through hell. And all of a sudden I thought I was now. And mm. now I didn't care about him or any. I cared about my two kids. Mm. And you can fend for yourself, mate. Like I really got quite staunch with him mm. because I didn't have the energy for him anymore because now I was dealing with my own crises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's when Danny hit rock bottom. And that's when we both ended up at the counsellor. Mm. And that's when she said, Do you love this woman? Do you love this man? We mm. said, Well, we have love, that's what we need.
0: And magic that you guys actually went to the counsellor to get to the other side of what that experience was designed to create for
2: you.
1: Mm. I you know.
2: think you're right. And I really take our hats off for the courage we showed to do that. Totally. Because so many, you know, we could have kept rambling ambling on through that and then blaming and or being just disappointed. To the point where we would have broken up, and mm. because there's no one, no one wants to live in that misery. Mm. And we could have held the other person accountable for that, and all the reasons. There were lots of reasons why each of us was miserable with mm. the decision I made financially, the decisions for him in sport, and then losing his sister. Like there was lots of reasons.
1: Mm.
2: But what the counsellor said to us, the beautiful Jacqueline, she just said, "Look, there's lots of reasons, but there's no excuse for disrespect of self or others. There's no excuse for." Um, doing things to yourself mm-hmm. like, you know, drugs and alcohol, there's no excuse for that. That's just that's just a reason for numbing the pain. And that's often seen as a midlife crisis. They go off drinking and partying. They're off with all the boys. And another thing that happened with Danny, and I think that hit him, and he will admit this, and he knows I talk about this, um, is he felt his youth had gone. He got very melancholic about the fact that he no longer was this young, fit person. I mean, he's a 40-year-old fit person, but he wasn't this young person anymore who could drink and party and, I don't know, all of a sudden the responsibilities of everything just got too much and he just wanted to relive his youth. So when he was away commentating, he'd drink and party.
0: Is that part of a midlife crisis for men or maybe men and women? Because you do see that a lot, like Mm. when we reach a certain, not we, but when people reach a certain age, the drinking and the partying tends to become prolific, but the body obviously can't cope with it and... There's not as much fun in it as they expected there will be, but then they... Oh, things can happen, and it's, it's a joke. But,
2: um, you know, at Casey, Tani, uh, sorry, Cindy's daughter's 18th birthday, Howie asked a number of the men, all our men friends, that they wouldn't mind being like Bounces. bouncers Bounces, and, yeah, and whatnot. Literally. And us girls yeah. were there. And anyway, I, I saw all these amazing 18 to 21-year-old men and women walking through the door, young men and women, and I thought, oh, my God, they're gorgeous. And I joked with one of them. And he said, "I've got no no alcohol on me, Camille. And he was being very funny. And I went, "Well, I better body body search you." And and I'm looking at and and I'm looking at (laughs) Cindy and Fleur going, "Wow, this is quite a nice job, you know." (laughs) As a (laughs) a forty year old woman patting down twenty year old men, and and then they all thought it was funny, and we all got in on the joke. It was fun. And then one of our one of our friends' husbands decided he'd do it. Oh. And here's this 46-year-old man, or nearly 50-year-old man, and he starts doing it to the 18-year-old girls walking in, and they looked at him and thought, dirty old man.
0: <laughs> oh, what are you doing? Which with that? I thought what was
2: hilarious. Exactly. But we all just went,
1: oh, <laughs> oh not going to go so down well.
2: Weird. I think there's a time and a place as to who... When it's appropriate. Appropriateness, but also realising that, um, you know, there's, there's certain responsibility comes with age as well. Um, you know, where we are, it's that thing of respecting your elders. Well, elders have to earn that respect and we have to behave in a way that commands that respect. And I was being silly and funny, whereas I don't know why it was taken the other way when the guy did it, but... I think it's just a societal thing. I don't know, but oh, yeah. it also not appropriate for a, a fifty, nearly 50-year-old 50 man to be patting down 18-year-old women. I mean, that's just, yeah. maybe it's not appropriate for a 40-year-old woman to do it to 20-year-old men either, but I kind of picked up on the playfulness with the, the two guys that I did it with was two guys I knew, yeah. and then it became a joke, and then I just, you know, it was like back away. Yeah. Um, But anyway, but back to this (laughs) But I looked at Danny at that time And I thought, yeah, and he admitted He said he felt his youth had gone And when you're looking at these young 20 and 25 year old men coming through And you remember what you were like at that age You're invincible You know, you have this whole sense that life is I mean, at 20, 25 Old is 40 you that's know, true. Four years true. old. Whereas now we're all in our forties, and and Cindy in her fifties, and and maybe I'm thinking that maybe even eighty isn't that old, really. I mean, yes, we're older, but I'm looking at the wisdom and the beauty in that now yeah, too. Same, same. So we have a different perspective as we get older. Or if we don't have that perspective, it's looking back, like you say, digging out the past, wishing we could, and that's that midlife crisis. And. And that's where a lot of relationships break down because now these 48, 50-year-old men are now flirting with 20-year-old women thinking they're still who they were. The wife's getting upset. He now thinks she's nagging and thinks, well, stuffy, if you think I'm having an affair, I'll have one. Or for people that end up, the other thing I've learned through this is that you know sometimes we don 't also go looking for a you know it 's not like we go perhaps looking for an affair, but something is missing in ourselves in order to be fulfilled, and we think by having an affair it will be fulfilled, and very sadly find out
1: more that's often than not that 's so that's not, so the, not case. the
2: case and now we 've could have ruined a family in the process mm. so you know there 's a lot of mm. you know I think we have to grow up and and like you said, Karen, what I heard before i, I don 't know why I had the vision of someone young and dying wishing to God they had that opportunity to give it another crack and yet a 40-year-old sitting there complaining because this has happened and this has happened and I can't, whatever our story is, gosh, put yourself in a position of someone who's got a month to live and what you'd give for that opportunity. You'd look at your misery in a lot different way if you were told you didn't have long to live, I don't Mm -hmm.
0: think.
2: I don't know. I just think midlife crisis, midlife awakening. What is it? Are we masking something? We're we not. Is it time to to grow
1: up and actually do some soul searching and really research? I, I actually think, Kimmy, you made two really good points. And one was our lost youth is where crisis happens, and two is our regrets. And I and I, I you know they're the two major things it seems to. Um, be creating and so doesn't that seem like a wasted i agree it's because just, you, it's not like you can get it back you can't like dumb and, dumb and why regret be good with what you've got and why regret like everything that we've done and changed and how many times we've had midlife crises i think you and i've had the same type <laughs> and and we've changed and, and altered but we've evolved and we've adapted to our our need to change So we've done all of that, and I think that that's where it happens: is you stop evolving and you stop adapting Mm. to the changes in your life, to your lost youth, because you are getting older, but you're becoming wiser. Like I, I often think, oh, oh, to have what I have right now and to be back in my twenties would be quite fun. The knowledge, you know, the knowledge you've got, but we can't do that. You know, that's that's. I think that would be dangerous. For you, yes, Kimmy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was thinking you. <laughs>
2: um, yeah. But, and, and sometimes I don't think that any of this is... Well, actually, I don't think any of it's wrong either.
0: I don't oh, think it, any of it's experience. wrong. It's just experience. It's just experience. But I think the thing that we've got to be very aware of is that, you know, when it comes to um, other people's experiences of midlife crisis... It's, it's their experience. And they are the ones that have to find themselves through that experience. You cannot walk another person's path for them. Therefore, two things. You cannot judge another person for where they're at. You can't make a comment on where they should be or where they shouldn't be. We can't judge another person's journey. It's their journey and we can't walk it for them either. So we can't save anybody. We can't rescue anybody. We can't make it better for them. We can't change anything. We can just walk beside them, and hopefully they bring themselves out of it in time. Mm. But it is their in time path, for what? Well, b- b- bring it. Bring themselves out of it in time. You know, like time. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, oh, in oh, in time. T- in okay, time. I get you. I get you. Yeah, check. yeah, yeah. in time. Yeah, no, in time. So, you know, because everything has its own if you think about everything in life, it has it has its beginning
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it has its it has its middle and it has its end. And everything is a process. Therefore, everything people need to go through, they need to go through the beginning of it, they need to go through the middle of it, and they need to go through the end of it. And yes, if they've got people that can support them, they've been through that before, and they can hear it, then awesome. But if they've got people in their lives trying to help them through their journey and they can't hear it, then we're of no help in the constant trying mm-hmm. to help them. Mm-hmm. All that lands up happening is we invalidate their experience, which then forces them to hang on to it for greater with, with, with greater strength. So our best option is to just walk beside the person and
1: allow them to go on their own journey because they're going to do it anyway but that's very hard to do for sure if you are emotionally involved no question or you live with the person or it's very hard to do you want to help them you want to be there you want to advise you want to do everything you can and it was like me saying that to danny but
2: okay you're not a cricketer anymore darling but you're a dad and and here's a chance for us to grow again and what we can
0: do and he didn't It didn't help. No, it doesn't help. It It doesn't help. help. But the perspective is wrong. Well, not wrong. Not wrong because everything is purposeful. Everything is purposeful. So the invitation for the people who are emotionally involved around the person going through the midlife crisis, the invitation for you is to stop looking at the person. You're looking in the wrong direction. Instead of looking at them to help them, turn your gaze back into yourself because their experience is triggering you. And it's triggering you to take you to the next phase of your experience. So stop looking at them and look at you. And when you look at you, they'll look at them. Yes, be the example. Well, more than that. More than that. Because the example that you are today, it's not enough anymore. Uh. It's not enough anymore. Because they're triggering something in you which requires healing. And it requires addressing and it requires it requires awareness. So bring your gaze back into the self. Figure out what needs healing in you and then your evolution in that experience is complete. Mm-hmm. And be And then be the example for them to follow once you've got your evolution. And be the example for them to follow as you're going through your evolution. Because if you turn your gaze back into yourself, then you give them permission to turn their gaze back into themselves if you're sharing what you're doing with them. If you're open with the person and you say, you know what, you have been pissing me off or this has been driving me insane. You're going through this midlife crisis and I don't know how to help you and I'm going to give up. not giving up on you and I'm not giving up on me, but I'm going to give up trying to help you. And what I'm going to do is figure out why your behavior and what you're going through is causing such an emotional trigger inside of me. And I'm going to work really hard on healing whatever that is and I'm going to tell you every step of the way what I'm doing. And I'm going to share with you what, my, what I'm discovering about myself. And none of it will be about you. All of it will be about me. And I'm going to be totally open with you. I'm going to share it with you. And if you decide to go on the ride with me on this, awesome. If you don't, that's still your experience and you will do what you do. But you are an enormous trigger for me. And I am so grateful that in our agreement, in this relationship, you have been prepared to suffer so that I can grow as a result.
1: And bingo. I want to say a but, but bingo, you, you have it. The problem is is do you get, uh, like, if you're witnessing that, what you have just described just then, mm. two people who love each other, who um, one needs to, one's having the crisis and the other one needs to step back and figure out what's happening on there, but they're not prepared to... To look any further, that's not their. They don't think it's their problem. So here I am, like thinking you're the third person in the cog that is watching Mm. this whole scenario play out, where one is frustrated by the others. But you can't help that. Okay, so if this is
0: if you're the third person in the cog, if you're the third person in this scenario, you can't help those two.
1: Mm.
0: It's not your business to help those Mm. two. Your job if you're the third person is to observe those two and figure out why it's triggering you and turn your gaze back onto yourself Mm. and then share with both of them sit them both down say to them this what's going on between you two is triggering this feeling in me and that is not serving me and I choose to evolve beyond it there's something for me to get here and I'm so grateful that you two are prepared to play that part Mm. And I will get it. Come hell or high water, I will master it. And I promise that my I will be open with you and I will share every step of the journey with you. I will write my journals and you can read the pages. And none of it will have anything to do with the two of you, I promise you. You are not responsible for my growth, I am. And I am going to share that journey with you. And it might take me a day, it might take me a week, it might take me a month. But I'm going to tell you everything. Whether you want to hear it or you don't, it's up to you but I'm going to tell you everything about what I'm doing. (laughs) And in you sharing that evolution, in the third person sharing that evolution with those two, they will either decide to follow your lead or not. Mm. And if they choose not to follow your lead, it is not your business. It's not your business. It's their business. Your job or the third person's job, whoever this third person is, I keep referring to you like it's one of you girls, Your job, this third person's job, is to be whole, complete, aware and congruent within yourself. The end. Mm. Their job is to experience what life is presenting for them, so that then they can experience the contrast of what doesn't serve them, which then hopefully, hopefully in this lifetime will drive them to seek for what does serve them. And if they don't drive to seek for what does serve them in this lifetime. It is not your job and it is also not your journey to walk that path for them. You know, we can have people in our lives, but it is a solitary journey. Mm. I can walk next to you on your path, but your path is your path. And it is a solitary journey that we all have to walk. And only through following your example can I see what else is possible through me. But if, if my example is constantly looking outside of myself at what everybody else's problems are and not recognizing that that is pissing me off and I need to turn my gaze back to myself and find out what I need to heal. Because the the greatest chances, especially when it's in a family environment, the greatest possibilities exist when we return our gaze back to the self and heal what's there for us. Because that automatically creates an energetic transference because it's got DNA involved in it. So when you heal and your healed DNA touches the DNA of another, it has a vibrational effect. And mm-hmm. that person. And science has proved that. Mm. So instead of you being fizzy and them being fizzy and then we're all fizzy together, <laughs> you know what? Just <laughs> knock out the bubbles. So let's say there's
2: a there's a there's conflict or ones Whatever this conflict going on and you're observing it, mm. the best thing to do for yourself when you feel those triggers come up for you mm. is: Would you go away from the situation and write in your journal about what that feeling is for you?
0: Or? I think it's going to be different for everybody. Um, you know, some people need to, some people do need to go away and write to um, express what's there before they can actually deal with what's there. And you know, I'm one of those people. I need to express in some way, so I'll either talk it out and then I'll fix it while I'm speaking but it can happen in an instant it doesn't have to happen overnight it doesn't have to happen over a week it can happen over an instant and it's simply the the analysis or the inquiry as Byron Katie would say of saying well what is my story about these people Mm. what is my story about what's going on and is my story true well actually my story is just my version and what is it like for me while I hold on to that story for all that I'm worth It's like hell. And then who would I be without that story? What would it be like if I just didn't have that story about them and just left them to do whatever they need to do? What would I be And you feel your stomach unknot? Mm. You feel yourself take a deep breath in and then you just have to continue to remind yourself of who would I be without this story about this? Who would I be without all of this? And you're just constantly reminding yourself of what that is. So you can start to get... Are you having these conversations in your head as the
2: person's a mess in front of you having a cup of coffee, desperate for you to tell them? Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. You know what? I would start having the conversation like now, and then I would be having the conversation in my head while I've got the person screaming, crying in front of me. Because the biggest problem that we've got as support people is we dive into the problem with... Them. With them. And then there's nobody to save both of you. So if somebody is in the problem, you can't get into the problem with them. You must remain in the solution. So by remaining in the solution, you're staying out of the story. That's true, actually, because when Danny and I would go to
2: Jacqueline, we would sit there, both with our stories and our interpretations, and she'd just
0: look at us. Yeah, because she's not in there. She had no attachment to it.
2: Hmm. And then she'd just give us a solution. We'd do EFT or TFT. We'd do some muscle testing to see what had triggered the behavior in the first place. And all of a sudden, it wasn't on the drama anymore. It was about how to heal it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you've just hit a really good point because I think where I started to really, it's not that I gave up on Danny, but I really did give in trying to help. You know, I, I knew I couldn't save him. You have to be prepared to And I actually was prepared to lose him. Yeah, I actually let go of having him in my life. Mm.
0: And he stepped up which made me want to stay with him even more. So what well I think what you did there I mean granted you were you were willing to release the relationship that you had but I think more... I didn't really want to. No I know and this is the thing see and even with this three part scenario this triangle that's occurring that Cindy's referred to there you're not giving up the love. You're not relinquishing the love, not by any stretch of the word. In fact, what you're doing is creating room for more love. Because while ever there's a judgment about what the situation is and you have your own perspective of what that story around that, perspe- of that situation is, there's no room for love in that. There's only room for judgment and there's only room for assessment of how mm. it should or it shouldn't be. Mm. So when you give up, you actually let go and you say, oh, I'm not doing this dance anymore. But it's not that you're not doing the dance with them anymore. You're just not doing the dance with yourself anymore. Because that scenario is living in your head rent-free. So you've got to give up the dance. Not with them. Because, you know, when everybody's, like I say, fizzy, then there's nothing other than fizz that's possible. But if one person is prepared to say, I'm not doing the dance anymore, not because I'm not doing it with you, I love you enough, that that's never going to change. You're not giving up on that. What you're giving up, with, you're giving up on, is the need to hold on to the story that what's going on is wrong. Does that make sense? Totally. You're giving up the need to hold on to the
1: story that that scenario isn't right. Uh, look, I think it's great advice. I, I really do. And you know, we started this with a bit of frivolity and you know, mm. midlife crisis, but and and they are serious. You know, like yeah. I'm not under. I don't think no. they are
2: undermining it, but it is. I think Danny and I now are at a point for us personally where I don't know if we'll ever laugh at what happened. I don't know if it's a laughable situation, but we're in a place now where we totally revere what has been said. It's even more precious. And I think I said this in a podcast before, if you're prepared to work on yourself and you're prepared to work on yourself,
0: then it may never be the same.
2: But there's a possibility it could be even better than it
0: was. Mm. Well, you're creating a new normal. And I think certainly in the scenario Mm. with these three people, a new normal is what everybody's going for because you can't go back. Mm -hmm. You can only recreate, Mm. you know, and it's creating something better. So when really when you take out all of the argument and all of the discussion and you kind of go to the highest level of possibility, it's a new normal. And what does that potentially look like? Well, that looks like where I love you and you love me and I respect you and you respect me. And the world's a magical place. And if both parties are going for that, ultimately, because that's what they're both fighting for, or all three parties, they're all fighting for the same thing. They're all fighting for love, acceptance and respect. Everybody's fighting for the same thing. Really. Mm. So if we all get that, if we all get, well, that's ultimately what we want. So, you know, we can be committed to the story and we can rehash the story, and we can just live in the story, and we can rehash the story again tomorrow, and then we can rehash the story again the next day, and then we can rehash it the next day. But I will tell you one thing for sure: that's one hella boring. Oh yes, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's boring as hell. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I think that there is the indicator that it's reached its, it's reached its, it's the end of its lifespan for the third person. It's reached the end of its lifespan. Because the boredom has set in, there's no more necessity for charge and fight. Now it's just boredom. So now you're actually free to go, well, you know what, I'm going to stop looking at you guys and making you wrong for it. In fact, this, let's look at the opposite for a moment. This scenario is 100% perfectly right. And if it's right, if it's right, then you're going to figure that out and you're going to figure that out Because I just figured that out. Mm. And it's right. Mm. So how is this right for me? Well, you know what? It's taught me patience. It's teaching me love. And now I'm also getting that there's been a hell of a lot of triggers for me around this scenario. And I want to have a look at each of those triggers now that I'm not so emotional. I'm bored. I want to have a look at each of those triggers and I want to find out why that triggered me. Why did I have charge around that? What's there for me? Where do I do that? Where do I behave like that? And where do I find that my behaviour doesn't work for me when I behave like that? Because you can only see what's in you. That's how you recognise it and then you create a story about it for yourself. So where do I do that? When have I done that? And how does that not work for me? And while I'm in a bored state and not an emotional state, what could I possibly do next time in case something like this goes on? And then share exactly the thought processes that you've gone through. Don't hold that as a secret because the two people who are struggling, they actually don't know how. Mm. You're going to be the example for them to follow.
1: Mm.
0: So share it with them. And if they listen, they listen. If they don't listen, they don't listen. And what they're going through will be right for them until it's not. Until it's not. And our experiences are designed to have us create greater awareness in ourselves. And we'll either do it in this lifetime or we won't. And that's not for anybody else to control, other than. You know, I think you've hit the a, a very important point that
2: that's this is relationships. This is relationships with our children, everything. our parents, our partners. Like you could take that same, same beautiful approach in all conflict, not necessarily a midlife crisis or in yeah. all yeah, situations.
0: Yeah, in everything. Yeah,
2: in everything. At work, bosses. Yeah. Like, seriously, this is, this is human, bit. this is humanness.
0: And frustration with yourself, because mm. people who are going through a midlife crisis, it's not usually about other people in their life necessarily, it's about them. Mm-hmm. It's about a dissatisfaction with themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, So ideally, turn their gaze from outside mm-hmm. to inside and do the work.
1: Mm.
0: If people can just get it, because it really is that simple. Life is not the complicated mess we make it up to be. That's just, that's the illusion of it all. Life is actually really, really simple. Live in the moment. Drop the story. Drop the drama. Be free. Go and buy shoes. No oh. matter what. Get a tat. <laughs> Get a tat.
1: Get a
2: boob job, girlfriend.
1: <laughs> Go for the Porsche.
2: Totes. So
1: floating with Can I right just out. say that
2: I got chatted up by a 25-year-old in Sydney. I'm just saying.
1: Oh my right. gosh! Did she ever? Mm, did, did she? It? Oh yes, I mm-hmm. watched it. Mm, I didn't realise I was being checked. <sighs> oh yes, that's right. Yes, yes, was
2: yes. He not? yes. Well, I was wondering if he was having a midlife, a young life crisis. No, right.
1: I think he really liked, he liked the cougar. <laughs>
2: He, came he liked oh,
1: no. a cougar it was hysterical i was so proud of myself go yeah. you you know yeah, yeah. work it baby yeah no That's and, and, and what, was it, a L- a was what was it a ralph loren it was in ralph loren ralph Lauren. <sighs> at ralph Lauren. bondi <sighs> junction at yeah, bondi junction yeah. oh <laughs> i hope he's not listening oh too bad yeah he was lovely oh,
2: <laughs> he was he was gorgeous uh, but then i showed him a picture of my daughter thinking he was having an issue and i went oh, oh no you should see my daughter and he went no trust me if either, if both of you walked into a into a bar, <laughs> it's you I'd notice.
0: Hello! <laughs> oh, did you get that recorded? Oh, well, no, she was my.
1: Witness. I was there. I heard it. Now
0: I'm going to tat of that on my butt.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Michael said. Maybe the
2: beautiful wellness boys will bring this up at our wellness summer. Oh, with I them. Oh, so. mm, mm, What it's like with them on stage. Mm, and if they've had midlife crisis, maybe we could discover that in, in August.
0: I think that would be a really cool conversation, hey. Mm. I don't know if you guys know that are listening. We've got, um, there's a couple of things I want to share with you because I know that we get lots of comments on Facebook and got, Kim gets lots of private messages as well um, from you guys wanting to know where you can see us live. So the first um, place that you can see us live is in August and it's at the Wellness Summit and that's going to be in Melbourne. Do we have dates? 16th and 17th? 16th and 17th, I think it is. 16th and 17th of August. Um, So if you want to find out more about that event, there's going to be seven of us on stage over a period of two days um, and we are all getting plenty of time to share everything that we know with you. And tickets are really, really Mm. Like affordable, aren't they? Mm, amazing. So go to all the, W's dot the wellness couch. Actually, no, it's all the W's.thewellness Yes.com. You can and also go to the wellness couch as well. You can, there's a link. Yep. Awesome, awesome. So go to those either one of those websites and check it out because it's a two day event where you're getting Lawrence Tam, Brett Hill, um, Damien Christophe. Damien, Christophe, Karen Smith, <laughs> the funny one, um, the
1: hilarious one, Kim Morrison, Cindy O'Meara and Joe Joe, Whitten, Whitten. Joe Whitten. who is quirky cooking. Oh, stop. quirky Joe, quirky cooking. She's amazing. Yeah, she is. she's, she's a-, a homeschooling mm-hmm. mum that um, has created a business in blogging and um, recipes on Thermomixes, And she's sharing her story.
0: Yes, she's going to
1: share her story. How exciting. Mm.
0: So that's the first place that you can go. The second place, if you want to get more intense with the three of us, is Awaken the Change Within Retreat. Now, that's going to be here on the Sunshine Coast, and that's in November. So that's where all three of us get together over the course of three days and blow your mind. Hmm. literally from the inside out. So I'm doing everything mindset, everything psychology, and everything rabbit hole. And then Kimmy's going to take us down the rabbit hole with um, movement, uh, self-care. Chemical-free. Chemical-free. We might even go barefoot running on the beach again. um, We've got a workshop. We've got an early morning workshop. Bryn and I are taking a barefoot running workshop. Is that? That's
2: not at the... On Sunday morning. At Awaken the
1: Change. No, that's at the Wellness Summit.
2: Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, no, we're on
0: to the awake, yeah, yeah, the, change to the, awake the change. Yeah, no, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, yes. So, yes. I will we'll definitely be... do barefoot stuff. Every yeah. Year. Good. Sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds good. And Cindy's doing her advanced nutrition. So we've got 101, 102 and
1: advanced. Advanced. And, and we're going to, you know, really get into um, information that is just new in the scientific world as far as the thyroid goes and how the thyroid's affected by inflammation and stress and how it affects every cell in your body. Look, it's just mind-boggling what's happening at the moment.
0: Now, I don't know anybody who's not struggling with inflammation. Yeah. And inflammation is... The source of, well, not the source, but it's it's a contributor of so yeah. much. Huge,
1: huge. Yeah. So we'll talk about how to get that down and, and and become educated so that you become responsible for your health care. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like we talked about that last week, yeah. how important it is to become educated. So... Yeah. We'll talk about that stuff and about the new education program that we're doing at Changing Habits. And so cool. some hands-on. Hands-on, yeah. yeah. We'll do some like hands-on. blending. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we might even do a little bit of a cooking thing. Oh, yes, 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 yeah, we are. Yeah,
0: we are. And we're going to mm-hmm. do plenty of meditation and we're going to do plenty oh, of... Oh, I can hardly wait. Yeah, we'll, oh. do, we'll do plenty of that and we'll do plenty of self-awareness stuff. So that will be really, really cool. That'll Looking really forward cool. to it. So, to check out Awaken the Change Within, um, our retreat here in um, the Sunshine Coast, go to all the W's dot the change dot and you can book your seats there. We've got VIP and we've also got standard seating. So, go for it, and we're going to see you there. So post your comments on today's podcast and let us know your thoughts and if you or anybody that you know has gone through a midlife crisis, we'd really love to hear your perspective on it. Go to all the, W's dot the I've got <laughs> Oh my goodness, here we go. All the W's dot forward slash up for a chat or allthew.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat and join us here next week same time same station on itunes give us a five-star rating yeah baby join us here right here next week on up for a chat and become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world Hi, it's Damien Christoph here from The Wellness Guys and 100 Not Out. Time is running out to secure your seat at this year's Wellness Summit. Make no mistake, this year's event will indeed sell out, so hurry up and avoid disappointment. Join myself and my Wellness Guys co-hosts, the Up For A Chat girls, Careers Unplugged boys, and Thermomix queen, Joe Whitten, and more as we share with you and 600 others at Crown Melbourne all of our latest insights and inspirations from the nutrition, movement, and mindset worlds tickets are just 297 but this two-day 15-hour powerhouse event to register for the event go to www.thewellnesssummit.com and we'll see you there this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com for slash the wellness couch subscribe to each show on itunes and check us out on twitter the wellness couch streaming wellness into your lives